Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. When I hear that verse, I know that I've gone through so much for a reason. We all go through trials and tribulations in life. It's what we do with them that makes us who we are. His name is Davin Edwards, and like many others, Davin has learned that life's trials are often what God uses to spiritually refine us. You'll hear how that's happening in this man's life now on First Person. Welcome to our conversation. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Davin will begin his story in just a moment. And whether you are listening on the radio or through our online stream or podcast, I hope you'll consider visiting firstpersoninterview.com and learning more about this weekly program as well as more about the Far East Broadcasting Company, who partners with us to bring you these interviews. FEBC is a gospel-centered ministry reaching millions through teaching God's Word in local language broadcasts in nearly 50 countries of the world. Take a moment to sign up for the online devotional offered by FEBC at firstpersoninterview.com. Firstpersoninterview.com. Well, sometimes you'll recognize the name of the guest on this program, and sometimes you won't. However, you'll always benefit from hearing testimonies that inspire us to love and serve God more deeply. David Edwards' story just may do that for you as you listen. I grew up in a you know small family down in Johnson City, Illinois. I was actually born and raised here in in the Chicago area. In the Chicago area, but uh, most of my family on my dad's side they lived down in Johnson City. So uh, every summer I would head down there, spend time with them, and uh, basically spend time with all the the family and cousins in that area and. What we would do is every Sunday we'd go to church. We spend a lot of time at church. Uh, my whole family was in the ministry. My aunts and uncles, some of my uncles were actually ministers uh, and pastors throughout the years. And I grew up in the Baptist community. I, I got to know the Lord very well as a youngster. But during that time, I loved the Lord with all my heart. That's all I knew. I grew up in that uh, in that environment, and my I knew uh, my grandparents down there were very uh, blessed you know, by the Lord. And I seen that in their eyes and I was actually touched by that. So over the years, I always knew the Lord, you know, but there was a time in my life when it just, things started going a little bit differently. Hmm. How old were you at that time? I was actually, when I first got saved with my grandmother was at a, uh, a summer camp. I got saved, you know, at a vacation Bible school, basically. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and she just, she instilled that in me from that point forth, you know, yeah. that to love the Lord with all your heart and never turn back, you yeah. know. But you did begin to drift. Yes. And uh, how old were you when that happened? I began to drift from the Lord about when I was 13 years old. That was when my grandfather in Chicago area actually uh, passed away. Because at the time, when I was going back and forth between Southern Illinois and then Chicago, because my family actually, my mom and dad decided to move up to Chicago. They lived up here for work. So I spent a lot of time with my grandparents on my mother's side, which was my uh, Mimi and Papa, we called them back in the day. They were very close to you, weren't they? Yes, they were actually uh, my best friends because my mom and dad were trying to make a living for our family. So my dad worked six to seven days a week. My mom was actually going to become a nurse. So she actually, between work and school, I never really got to see my parents. So I ended up spending most of my time with my grandparents here in Chicago. So, and then in the summertime, I would actually go back down to Johnson City back and forth. So it was kind of like my grandparents were the the limelight of my my life, basically, and they pretty much took care of me. So, yeah. I so you much, looked up to both sets of grandparents. Yes. My uh, my grandmother, Mimi, actually, 
uh, up here in Chicago was probably uh, the one that I became very close with uh, because she had this, a spirit that when you seen her, she lighted up the room. She made everything just amazing. She was the one person that you had comfort in no matter what the situation was. Uh, but around, like we were talking about, as far as around the age of 13 is when my grandfather, Papa, so Mimi and Papa were the ones in Chicago, he passed away. And uh, he was my best friend. We did everything together. We mm. did the yard work together. We uh, planted a strawberry patch together. I mean, that was my life. It'd be know? quite a blow to you then when he died. Yes. And I couldn't actually, for about a week and a half, I couldn't go to the hospital because it was just so traumatic to me seeing that my best friend was actually going through that. I didn't know how to actually respond to it. So when he left and passed away, things started to change for me a little bit. I became a little bit introvert from the family. I didn't really uh, spend a lot of time with my mom and dad as much as I should. I started looking for different avenues and ways out of, of things in life. And I, I started to become more f- sociable with friends at school. I just felt more comfort in that, you know, instead of my family, because I started losing things in my family that I didn't have. I didn't have my mom and dad all the time. The only person I did have still was my grandmother, mm-hmm. which was Mimi. Did she know what was going on with you when you began to seek other friends? And I'm, I'm guessing those friends weren't the best influences on you. No, they weren't. Uh, but, yes, she actually, no matter what, the one thing about her was is that she loved me throughout every situation. You know, even though she's seen things going on and she knew that, she wasn't discouragement ever. Wow. She was always the kind of person that just brought you up and said, you know, no matter what happens, I'm going to be here for you. You're going to go through the rough times. You're going to go through the, the best of times in life. She goes, but I'll be here for you. Yeah, her love was constant. And- yes, it was very constant. And that was, that's what made life a lot easier, hmm. you know. Uh, she dropped me off at school every day. We'd spend time together. Uh, she picked me up from school. So she was the one I looked up to, hmm. and that was always there for me. But that changed too, didn't it? Yes, that changed too, uh, once Papa passed away, he was that broken, the link, you know, that, that kept our family together. Yeah, so it was broken, yeah. The family life just took, went into turmoil. Basically, what I did is I seen all this happening and things were just getting out of place. The family just got separated and things went a little haywire. So I ended up spending most of my time with Mimi, but then I also was looking for love in the wrong places. I ended up finding love, love and friendships and different companionships at school and high school, and I, I got into a lot of... Uh, I guess I could say bad things. Things went the wrong direction. I ended up uh, hanging out with a lot of druggies, uh, spending most of my time at the stoner wall, is what we called it back in the day at high school. Hmm. And uh, I was in shop class and, you know, cut a lot of classes and stuff at that time. And I found more fun in the the wild side of things, you know, getting out and just experiencing life in a little bit different way. And then when I, uh, on my junior year, I decided to drop out of school. And I was thinking, what am I thinking? You know, what am I thinking? But I turned to the bottle. You know, I was drinking at the time back in high school. I started drinking my life away. Around that time, I basically ended up leaving school. But then I decided a year later, it was kind of, the Lord has always been there. Like, he's always been that little birdie on my shoulder saying, hey, you know, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Yes, the Holy Spirit working in me. And then a year later, I ended up like going, I'm going back to school. What am I doing? You know? So I ended up going back to school, getting my uh, my high school diploma, and I still wasn't finding my way. I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to go back and do that, and it never worked out. I ended up uh, still drinking, still hanging out with the wrong crowds. I knew the Lord, man, and he was in my life, but it was like I was missing just something. pull it together. I just couldn't pull it together. 
You've told me you were also uh, often sick as a child, which is going to come into the story later as you tell it, but uh, that was the case, right? Yes. When I was younger, even growing up, all the way from the age of from all the way up to 16, I ended up getting severe colds and pneumonias, and I was deathly sick uh, for many years on and off, you know, uh, especially around Christmas time. I remember one Christmas, I just got so sick, I couldn't even open my presents. I just laid there as all the family around me just opened up gifts. Hmm. And nobody ever knew what was really going on with me. Uh, I was always uh, lethargic, didn't have a lot of energy, but I just kept going. You know, I was a kid growing up, trying to grow up, uh, but not paying attention to actually what was going on. But my mom always recognized that there was something not right, that I was always running out of energy. So that played a big part in my life. Yeah, that that, uh, will play a part in the story of your life coming up in just a few moments. But let me take you back to your grandmother. Yes. Who developed Alzheimer's. Yes. Um, Again, another blow to you. Uh, Did it send you spinning further away from the Lord, or what happened? That's when it really took off. I ended up, you know, kind of backing off from being around Mimi as much because I was— Scared to see her going through the situation. It was very painful. When she started not to remember all the family members' names, but the funny thing about it is she always remembered mine. So she always knew me. She said, where's David at? And uh, Mm -hmm. it was just comforting when she did that. But on the other hand, it was also a blow to see her going through all that. So I ended up uh, going farther into the alcohol, uh, getting uh, closer into the biker scene. Ended up uh, hanging out with a lot of gangs and bikers uh, in the local area. And well, you were in the deep end, weren't you? I was really deep. I was really deep in a situation that I didn't really know how to get out of. But there was just there was times I even when I was going on the road. Uh, one night I got pulled over. You know, I was out and had a bottle of Jack Daniels inside the center console and M80s in there on Fourth July one one year. And uh, the cop pulls up and says, you know, hey, what's going on, Mr. Edwards? Because it was a small town. We all knew each other in that town. (laughs) I said, what am I doing? Luckily, that night, that cop, for some reason, just let me go. Mm -hmm. He said, "Uh, why don't you go home, Mr. Edwards? And I said, thank you. I went home that night, and I was like, wow, you know, I should be in jail tonight, you know, from out there doing what I shouldn't be doing. So it's always been the Spirit of the Lord just guiding me and being there for me. I don't know why me. I can't tell you why, but he's always really been there for me. There's more to David Edwards' story, and we'll continue it coming up in a moment on First Person. I'm Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. We've produced a number of storytelling videos of God at work in the lives of FEBC listeners living in difficult circumstances. To see these videos and to be encouraged in God's Word, Please visit FirstPersonInterview.com and sign up for our 30-day online devotional. It's easy and there's no obligation. You will love seeing and hearing stories of people's lives being saved through the gospel message. Go to FirstPersonInterview.com. My guest is Davin Edwards. Davin is uh, someone that... uh well, we've met a few times around an office and yes. have uh, rubbed elbows together. But for the first time, I'm really hearing your story, your testimony, David, and it's remarkable how the Lord leads. So I want to get to the rest of it. Uh, there's much more to tell in the in the time we have left. So, yes. But when we left you, you were still spinning out of control. You know, you knew the Lord was calling you to live a, a pure life, but it wasn't happening at that point for you, was it? No, it really wasn't. Uh I ended up uh, looking for love all in the wrong places. And I met my wife at the time. 
uh, I was doing maintenance for an apartment complex, and I was fixing the heat that night. And uh, I got the call. I went over there. I met her thinking, oh, this is going to be the one. I can make this happen. But my life was so out of control between the drinking and partying and everything else. Marriage didn't last. It didn't last. It actually lasted seven years, surprisingly. But throughout those seven years, there were some very hard times. We ended up uh, a lot of fights, a lot of you know uh, nights that we didn't sleep. I slept on the couch for most of the night- time. At what point then did your health come back into the picture? Actually, I was working uh, for as a crane operator for a company out in Lockport area, and I was married at the time to my uh, first wife. I, I just didn't have the energy that I needed to. And I was uh, working 10-hour days. I was just thinking that's what it was. And then in all actuality, I knew that something was wrong. So I ended up going to see the doctors and specialists at that time, and they found out that I had an immune system a problem. They didn't know exactly what to call it. They just said you had a low immune system, and you're basically, uh, we don't know exactly what it is. But we could do genetic testing to try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. A lot of doctors came back, couldn't come up with anything. I ended up going to New York a couple times with my sister, and then they diagnosed me with a condition called WIMP syndrome at the time. So now— It sounds rare. It must, it must be very rare, isn't it? Yes, a very rare condition. And there's not many people diagnosed, uh, especially in the United States, with it. The doctors really couldn't confirm it. They didn't really know exactly if that's what it was. Okay. So, and what's going on spiritually with you at this point? My marriage was falling apart. I was actually searching out for, for the Lord. I went to a little Baptist church on a Sunday to try to get the Lord back in my life. And the pastor was all energetic. He was excited about having me there. And the next thing I know, I, uh, I come home from church that day. And my wife that I was with at the time... She's like, where'd you go? I said, I went down to the church. And she goes, you went to church? And I said, yeah, I went back to church. I said, I just need the Lord in my life right now. There's just so much going on in turmoil. All these things in my head are going on like, I just need to get back to the Lord. And yeah. I was uh, missing something that I... Uh, there's so much detail to this story, which is so exciting, but I'm going to have to skip over part of it, Dave, no, and just for ahead. time. But yes. I, I just want to know, what was the prognosis uh, for, for this immune uh, deficiency that you had? What... Did they know how serious it was at the beginning? They didn't really know. Basically, I was living my life out just like anyone else, but they knew I had a condition that was causing uh, me to have the immune system deficiency. Uh, They didn't know exactly where it's going to lead from there. Mm -hmm. There's not really a a prognosis for people with Lyme syndrome. So how long did you suffer with that diagnosis and, and not knowing what to do? It started... Basically, around 2002 is when I found out about Wim syndrome. Okay. Did the research catch up with it then at some point? It never got to the point where I had a definite answer of how to actually cure the, the problem. Okay. I kept on seeking out other doctors to get different opinions. So there really was no treatment for Wim syndrome. Basically, just that it's a immune system issue and it can be cured only by the grace of God. What happened? With, with your health, I mean, we'll, we're going to come back to the, yes. the personal side, the spiritual <laughs> side, but what, what will happen to your health eventually? Uh, basically, I just I started having severe pneumonias, one after the other. I started having uh, pneumonia every year. Uh, I ended up in the hospital for months at a time not knowing what was happening. They put me on uh, steroids in order to treat the pneumonia, but not only that, it actually blew me up so large. I was over 160 pounds at one time due to the steroids. Uh, it was up and down. They were putting me on opiates to and try to control the pain. That's not your natural build, is it? Yeah. No, they called me. Uh, they called and said that one day uh, I had a diagnosis of fibromyalgia too. So they're throwing all these different diagnoses out there. 
and on all these different medications. And it was almost like I was getting sicker. In 2007 is when I said, I got to figure this out. I mean, I, and still at that point, I was far from the Lord, you know, through all these different diagnoses, my marriage going up and down. I was all over the place. And I said, Lord, I need you. I'm coming back to that. Uh, can you find the diagnosis? But I was so broken at the time between everything else going on. It was just a mess. You know, 2007, I got rebaptized. Okay, so you're back with the Lord, walking with the Lord. Yes. In 2007, I gave my life to the Lord again. So I got the, the drinking was in the past and all that? I put all, all of it away. You know, I ended up uh, telling the Lord, I'm ready. Let's figure these, these things going out with my health. Uh, I asked him to bring a, a new woman into my life. I told him I'm ready to figure all this out and get back on track. And uh, things didn't change right from there. You know, I was still sick with all this stuff going on and the condition that I had. We never really know the true diagnosis. They thought it was that Wim syndrome. And I ended up uh, coming back up to Chicago and met my, my wife, Kristen. Life was great then, actually. It was funny because I had a new journey. You know, I met my wife. I started feeling better yeah. and everything was great. And my emotions were good. And, and this new marriage is based on Christ? Yes, my wife is a Christian. So the Lord took care of that part of your life. But still, you're struggling health-wise. Yes, I was still struggling health-wise. Uh, my new wife was, she understood that I was going through some stuff over the years, never. Uh, but she said no matter what, she'd be there with me uh, if there's anything ever else comes up. Uh, for about a, a year of our marriage, things were great. I ended up uh, starting a new business, going back to college, uh, figured, I, you know, I can handle this. I got off all the medications the doctors had me on. I just... I worked very hard to try to get my life back together. And then two years after our marriage, we I ended up finding out from a doctor in Woodstock, Illinois. That's the one I, I went and seen. And uh, he did a bone marrow aspiration, came back, and said it's a condition of MDS leukemia. And I said, leukemia? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, uh, I think you're dying. Oh, and that's he, was how that, he, he was that matter of fact about it? Yeah, he was that blunt. I kind of chuckled a little bit. I looked at my wife and I said, uh, that's okay. Mm. I said, I'm okay with it. Mm. Because I had the peace of the Lord in my heart at the time. And I said, let's do this. I'm ready to fight. I, said, I didn't never said, why me? I always said, why not me? Mm -hmm. Because with the Lord, all things are possible, you know? Yeah. With the diagnosis of MDS leukemia, he told me I'm dying. I have three months to live. And the only way for me to cure leukemia MDS is to have a blood stem cell transplant, which is a full stem cell transplant. So we didn't have a donor at the time, didn't know. I wasn't afraid of that. That was one of those things that I knew that we can get through uh, with the, the grace from the Lord and my family and everybody praying. Uh, I got on the telephone and just made some calls and had everybody in the world praying. A month and a half went by. I found out that I had a donor. Uh, the donor was actually located in Germany. So it was just an anonymous donor. Anonymous donor. Didn't know her name, didn't know anything about her. But when I did get the information, I asked about the details of it because with that type of stem cell transplant, you got to make sure that we're compatible. Yeah, everything has to be just right. Yes, and it turns out that the lady in Germany was a 10 for 10 match uh, with me. Very, very rare for that to happen. It was the Lord's provision, wasn't it? Yes, it was the Lord just uh, working miracles in my life. We ended up uh, finding out 
about the donor. Within a week, we were at Loyola Hospital in Chicago. I was ready. I was ready just to conquer death, basically, because that's what the doctors all said to me. Uh, there were five people that I went into treatment with, with five of them there. Uh, I thought it was a team, you know, we're going to get through this. I got on the treadmill. I was working out every day, ready to fight. Within that first round, they hit me with three months of chemo within oh. a week. Oh. Basically to kill off all the stem cells within my body and bring me down to zero. My counts went to zero, and I was at death. You were susceptible to everything then. I was in full isolation at the time. Uh, the only thing that could save me is the cells from the donor in Germany, and uh, that's what they were hoping on. So what they did is they basically uh, had the cells flew in from Germany overnight. The lady in Germany had the transplant done the night before within 24 hours. She basically sent the cells over on a flight. I received the cells in the morning, and by the grace of God, they were able to give them to me. And it turns out I would have took the blood type of that donor, but she was exactly the same blood type as me. <laughs> So not only was it a 10 for 10 match, but the actual blood type was the same. And being a Christian, that was just an amazing experience. I never thought I'd have to go through a stem cell transplant, but the Lord provided it. He worked in those doctors in the hands and miracles. How long ago was that? It was on 11-12-2014 is the day that the actual cells showed up. Okay. So, so it's going out right around three years. Right around three years yeah. right now. And how have you been doing since? I'm doing good. I'm doing excellent. Uh, I've had a couple bouts of uh, melanoma cancer cell, uh, cells pop up uh, on my skin, but those are nothing compared to what I went through. Mm -hmm. So uh, those have been removed from now. I know I'm cancer-free now. I'm doing excellent. I can only give the grace to the Lord for what he's done for me in yeah. regards to this situation. Yeah. Tell me more about that, uh, that gratefulness that you feel to God. Man, that's, that's something that I don't even know how to explain. All I know is that over the years, I've been struggling up and down through things. And I wish more people would just stop what they're doing and listen. That's one thing that's hard for me, is just to stop and listen to the Lord and take that time with Him. Because I remember when I was little, I took the time for Him because people told me it was important. But then when I didn't take the time for Him, I ended up on the road. I ended up on a long, dark road. And it took me to actually stop and actually listen again for him to come back into my life. It took a crisis, didn't it? It took a huge crisis. I always was a type of fighter in my life. I've fought for everything I ever believed in. I want to give that back to the people that are going through the situation or that don't know the Lord and actually give them, you know, hope and grace and mercy. Because we've all been through tough times in life, but he'll actually answer if you, if you ask him to. God will answer when we call on him. My thanks to David Edwards for telling us his story on First Person. If you're going through a difficult season yourself right now, whether it's a physical need, emotional, spiritual, or all three, I hope this man's testimony will be used to point you to the comfort, grace, and strength you'll find in God through his word. We'll be back next week with another interview, this time a pastor from Ethiopia who has suffered much, but also who has experienced much joy in serving Christ. Please take a moment to join us at FirstPersonInterview.com and sign up to receive the 30-day online devotional from the Far East Broadcasting Company. I love getting these stories in my email box and tying God's Word into what people are experiencing as they listen to FEBC. Sign up at FirstPersonInterview.com. Now, with my thanks to friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. 
We'll see you next time right here for First Person. 